Welcome everyone to the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision by guiding them to profitability. Let's go! You're listening to episode 198, and today we have Joss Aguirre. Joss humanizes data. So what does that mean? Well, plain and simple, the plain and simple answer is that he helps business owners and executives use the data trapped in their analytics to make better decisions about their marketing. And I can say in full transparency, looking at the smallest forms of data has revolutionized and transformed our business at Penji. And I'm really excited to talk to Joss today. Joss, welcome to the show, my friend. How is your day going all the way in sunny Australia? Dude, it is good morning. I'm speaking to you. <laughs> you just made me sound epically smart. I kind of like it. We should we should do this more often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm a good hype up man. At least I try to be. You know, I feel like I'd be a really good wingman if I had the opportunity. Definitely. I think we have to get you out of Australia. We'll just go hit the bars or something. There you go. <laughs> I'm totally down. Anytime to go to Australia, I am totally, totally down. But welcome to the show, man. But before we get into all of these heavy hitting questions about business and entrepreneurship and all that other fun stuff, we have to talk we have to talk about the important stuff, and that is food. So imagine oh. you just had the absolute best day of your life. Where are you going to eat and what are you going to order to make your day complete? Dude, that's a good question. That is a really good question. Honestly, I'm simple. I'd like a nice steak, probably some wine. I like where you're going. What are we, how are we cooking the steak? Are we going medium, medium rare? Are you, are you a well-done guy? Because if you're a well-done guy, we're stopping this conversation right now. Medium rare steak, man. There you go. Can't do well done. It's <laughs> got to be medium rare. It's a little bit cooked, add nice wine to it, some chips. Otherwise, pretty simple. I'm down with that. I'm a, I'm a big wine person myself, so like, what, what type of wine do you are you digging nowadays? Probably a red, a red, always red, either Merlot or Shiraz. Okay, so your tip, fully red. Fully red, cut. Hit a rosé, but generally the Merlot or Cab Sav. Yeah, I mean, with a, with a steak, you kind of have to go red. But I, I, I can say, not that you asked, you should look into, uh, you should definitely look into the whites, man. I'm, I'm a big white person, white white wine person, excuse me. It could be a weather thing here, man. Like, I think wintertime for us, still coming out there at the moment, mm. so I'm still into my reds. But summertime, you kind of enjoy whiter wines a bit better. That's Very more ciders in summer. Very true. I love that. So... My first real question, we could talk about food, I'm sure, for another hour and a half. Um, that's topic in all itself. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast you can create. But tell me about a time that you felt lost or blind in business, and how did you overcome those obstacles? How do you feel lost and blind? I think we're always overcoming something that you never... As much as online space, you see people putting on a front, You all, everyone's always going through something. There's always some sort of challenge or obstacle we're trying to overcome. If there isn't, you're not growing fast enough. I love that answer. I mean, I would agree with you to, to every stretch of the imagination, but when you have lived your life, your entrepreneurship, I'm sure that there was never a time where everything was as great as it is right now. Can you take me back to a time 
within your entrepreneur career where maybe you're at your lowest and go through the psyche of how you overcame that particular low point in your life? I'd love to give you a sob story here, man, but honestly, it's, it's always been some challenge, like whether it's a marketing challenge trying to understand a campaign, like yet still get the occasion where we just don't understand why something's not working, whatever, all the things that happen are pointing to the right answers, and we just change something small and it just starts to work. Mm. I think I mentioned in the bio I sent you where it had a campaign that was just wouldn't budge. I think they were stuck on five leads a month for ages and we'd taken over the campaigns trying to see what would happen. But what we did to overcome that was take a step back and start thinking about the audience. So this one was a manufacturing company. We realized that the people that were buying from them were either secretaries or weren't at its buying stage where they were ready to make a decision right then and there. So we had to think, take a step back and think of, what would get this person to take some sort of action to get the contact details or at least start the conversation? Because so we've kind of figured they're on this website evaluating options. So what we did was put up a chat box. That took that business from getting five leads a month to 75 leads a month. The lead value between five and like 60K because these are expensive systems to set up. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the data for a second, because I think that's really critical with what you just said. And anybody who's listening right now, we're talking about lead generation and how we're able to make more money for the business, because at the end of the day, sales cures all cures everything. So, you know, you said that you humanize data. When I look at data, I see business decisions. When you see data, you what do you see? It should drive towards business insights, like you said. Often we, I think most people just view it as analytics as something that obligatory, plug into the website but never look at again. Mm. What it should be is something you look at, again, it depends on your kind of business, but the, big, the faster you are, the more you want to grow. You should be looking at that daily to see what your trends are, where your customers are coming from, where people are getting stuck. Mm. That should be able to drive you to provide better solutions, to help people overcome those problems that they're going through and see where you might have problems in your business. I yeah. I'm doing another doing an episode with one of my friends that we're talking about this stuff. Ideally, you should be able to connect your analytics to your profit and loss statement. Hmm. That's the ideal way to work with your business. And how would you be able to quantify that? So if you look at your conversion rates, see how that affects your sales. So if you're converting at X percent on the website, taking that down to the sales level, you know what your sales are. If it's a recurring revenue business, you see how much your what your churn rate is, so include that into your business as well. Then you're working out what the expenses are. So take the your acquisition that you're growing by each month from your analytics. So you know how much new customers coming in. Take the expenses of your business, so take that as your overall expenses, and that should work out your totals for where the business is growing at each month. Hmm. So that way, you know, if you spend X dollars more, theoretically, you should be increasing business by this month, the following month. Mm. So do you mind if I interject? Yeah, go for it. I'm curious because now you you entered it into like a whole rabbit hole here of conversation because when 
the profit loss statement, that would assume, well, that would assume based off of what you're saying, that would assume that your business is set up properly where you're actually receiving conversions on your advertisements. Correct. So if what you don't receive conversions, it's a big issue. Exactly. So let's talk about that. Like how, how can we receive conversions and how can we see more sales through advertisements? It starts with knowing your customers. Mm. Before you do any advertising, you need to know who you're marketing to and what message, what message you believe will resonate, and then actually test it. Like we can do as much preparation as possible, but the real world will always be the actual answer. Based on that, we can we can adapt. Like for yourselves, you guys, who do you who is your primary customer? Do you do you want to ask? Like, yeah, am, are you asking me? About it, if you want. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, sure. I wasn't looking for like the, uh, you know, the the consulting aspect of it. We can go there if you want. I mean, I'm totally totally down to 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 do that. Um, So you asked who is the the customer? Who's the customer at Pinchy? Yeah, I mean, so agencies and uh, internal marketing teams to organizations. Okay, so even with that, I'm sure there's two different within that. I'm sure you've got sub segments. What kind of agencies do you work with? And who are the internal marketing teams do you work with? Yeah, so who makes a decision? So it would be for agencies. We it would be, uh, you know, let's just say like digital marketing, like not on the web development, but say maybe like a SEO, social media, some type of marketing. That that would be one. And then on the other answer, it would be uh, internal marketing teams would be like a creative director or uh, a, ma- a manager, something something along those lines. Okay, so within that, who actually makes the decision? Is it with agencies? Is it usually the director of the agency, or do they have an internal person that manages that? Yeah, the what agency kind of size would of agencies? be. Yeah, the agency would be, you know, five to five, somewhere around five people within their marketing team, and it would be um, five people within the agency, like with, that's doing the actual production. And then for the marketing team would be like the person, it could be like a hundred, a hundred person shop, but it could be like one or two people within the marketing team. And that one person doesn't know graphic design. Okay. So within that, what we've established is it's not a freelancer. So you wouldn't be wanting to target people that have freelancer issues. But people who hire freelancers, yes. I'm talking about the agency side first. Yeah. Okay, sure. So if say it's a team of five, they're not like a tiny organization, but they're not huge either. They're not like a Ogilvy and Ogilvy Ma. Yeah. But knowing that, you kind of start to understand their world and what's going through their minds. So what kind of what kind of issues they're having? And you said design is design isn't something they've got in house. And why would they why would they outsource? Why wouldn't they just hire someone to solve that solve that solution? Yeah. Well, for us in particular. And I think this is really interesting because I've never actually gone through this on a podcast before, but it's really interesting to dive this deep, I guess. And I want to make sure that the people are listening that are also getting as much value as we possibly can. And I think the takeaway, to answer your question, um, wait, what was your question? Now now I'm like losing my thought. You're like blowing my mind right here. 
We're talking about why the people, if the agencies are wanting to work so, with you, what solution are actually solving? The the, re, the the issues that we're solving in particular is that, number one, you don't have to hire an internal graphic designer. You don't have to hire somebody else. You don't have to onboard them. You don't have to... Um, you don't have to spend money in order to uh, bring this new person on. Whereas our solution, so is it in a particular, cost question here, or it's definitely cost? Yeah, it's definitely time as well. So sometimes agencies they hire freelancers, but they're unreliable. And so our solution in particular is that solution of, you know, uh, easy to use, no setup, sign up and run with it, and you're done. So why wouldn't they hire someone internally? Um, could be cost. Maybe they don't so have the so yeah. Say they to... don't have the resource, or they don't, or they're just tired of uh, going on like freelance websites, or they're tired of like hiring As like in... a junior level designer. So they want professional design, but they want to be able to not have that internally. They want it outsourced to an extent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, it's a it's a different conversation there because you got people who would just say. Why don't you hire? So those aren't the people you want. You want someone who wants to offload that part of the business. It's not maybe it's maybe it's not as huge a part of the business that they need someone on staff all the time, but it's big enough that they need someone who can do it. Yeah. And do it well. So I know how we did it, but I would like to hear some approaches from your from your perspective. How would what would you recommend to, to people to further understand their customers? Speak to them. Mm. So calling them up, emailing them, like what have you seen as the best approach? The best approach we've had, if you know who your customers are, get on the phone. Mm. You can't beat human interaction. There's reason why David Ogilvy was, there's a reason why most great marketers have been so great. If you look at through history, they're either salespeople or they've had direct contact with their customer. That's the ultimate way to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, take a step back, say you don't have their resources to do that straight away. You want to get an overall market feel. Look at other people in your market and look at the comments that are being made. Try and fill in the gaps that way. Or try to understand someone who is like your customer. So, again, people don't have time to think that. So trying to understand exactly who your customer is is a good place to start. And, you know, that's exactly what we did. So I can say that what you're saying is 100% applicable. Um, we got on the phones. We talked to everybody. But I want to ask, highlight something that you said, which was look at your market. Look at your 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 the people that you're surrounding and, and the ads that you're seeing. Is there ever a time where you're looking too much into your competitors? Wouldn't necessarily look at your competitors, per se, unless they're doing exceptionally well. So people doing well and see what's working and use that as your base. But if you're in a market where you're trying to be different or trying to gain a competitive advantage, you want to see what's missing. So look at the comments that they're making. So look at say if you're in, say if you're in a market where there are books published about it, which most markets do have something in that regards. Go to those books and see what kind of comments are being said in the books, the reviews. You can see what people are liking and what they're disliking. That's a good insight into what customers, what people would be experiencing. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think that that's really important information, and uh, I hope the people that are listening are applying this because this is real, real stuff. So now we have the copy, right? We're good to go. We understand that customer. Now we're trying to talk about the data piece, right? We throw the ad out there. You, you took a company from like a food delivery company from losing tens and thousands, you know, to to back into the the black, as you say. Yeah, so I think they'll don't quote me the exact number, but I think it was about losing about fifteen thousand. That again, it was due to manufacturing costs because they just bought a huge factory. They were investing a lot into their resources, so for that period of time, they were kind of hurting because regaining it, they didn't have enough sales coming through. So we had to work out a way to get them those sales and very quickly. I'd love to say it was an amazing marketing strategy, but it was really just getting back to basics and looking at the numbers. So we looked at their AdWords account. They were overspending on campaigns that were losing their money, mm-hmm. and they were underspending on the pro- on the profitable campaigns. Mm-hmm. So the biggest change was shifting that around, looking at, okay, well, this one's losing you money. Why are you spending so much on it? Let's switch that off or reduce spend. This one's making you a lot of money. Let's increase the hell out of that one because that's where you're making your money. Let's look at your product range and see what people are liking and what's working for them. Let's make more of those kind of products. So, so we're doing those things. It turned it around, I think, sort of two months. Wow. I mean, that's 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 impressive. I I, I guess so. When you when you look at that data, because I like I look at data all the time as well. Like I'm a data junkie. I love that stuff. I think it's great. But I do think it's hard to sift through it because you can look at something that deems to be amazing. You know, your cost per click could be pennies on the dollar. Um, You're looking at the wrong metric in that case. Exactly. That's my point. So yeah. how can we determine what is a successful ad? What is? How can we determine that this should be more measurable and we should amplify it the way that you did for the company that you worked with? Ultimately, sales is all that matters. matters. Mm. So what does? how much sales are you getting from those ads? That being said, depending on your campaigns, there might be more to that story. That's why we, if sales aren't being made as properly as we want, look, take a look, step back. Where are we losing them? Are we losing them on the checkout page? Mm. Are we losing them on the landing page? Are they not even clicking the ad? Depending on where they are, you need to adjust that. And then you can improve it by changing the offer, changing what's being said on that page, changing pricing. Then what a lot of people don't think about is optimization of that customer. So once you get that customer, how long are you keeping them for? Are they spending more with you? Are you giving them opportunities to feel valued, to feel appreciated, to really connect with you as a brand and continue that relationship? I think often as marketers, we are focused on the front-end acquisitions. If you've got a front-end acquisition that's working great, fantastic, but let's start to work on that back-end, work on that lifetime value for customer. Mm. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Like when you say lifetime value, what do you what do you okay, mean? Okay, so say if you're a single purchase type company, but you know your customers will generally purchase again. It's kind of products that you've got other stuff that you can offer them. Give them the opportunity to purchase from you again. Send a thank mm. you. Again, I've seen mm. things that aren't even directly sales related that have produced sales. Hmm. Example: someone purchases from you, you send a yeah, it's kind of confirmation email. So that's nice. They get to know what's happening. Send them a thank you email seven to 14 days later once shipping's once you'll have for shipping. What do you think of the product? Often by just doing that, they'll click back to your website and they'll purchase something else. Mm. 
send them something to show you appreciate them. Just some email. Setting up all your holidays and events emails. A lot of people don't think about that. Hmm. That's for an e-commerce type company. Now, for an agency like Penji, just offering people help. Yeah. Onboarding them properly. Yeah. Making sure they understand how to use your service. Yeah. A phone call from yourself. Like, imagine you set up a service and what's the big company you can think of? Apple. Imagine you sign up uh, Apple. Let's see, say if see, Apple does Apple does everything else really well, so I'll give them a pass. But let's <laughs> say you signed up to let's say Netflix had just started and you hadn't really heard about them before, mm-hmm. and the content wasn't as good as it is today. I'd probably churn pretty quickly if they had a limited range. But if someone from the company called me up as soon as I purchased and said, thank you for, for signing up, we really appreciate it. We just want to get your feedback on a couple of things. I'll be like, holy crap, these guys are amazing. They've really gone above and beyond. Yep. And beyond yeah. that, you're getting feedback from your customers directly so you know what to improve. Yeah, it's gold. Yeah, it's it's, it's gold. And, and I think the important thing that you just said is just going back to basics because I, what I've seen is a lot of marketers are going into these funnels, these dark holes of like the perfect system and the perfect process and the billion dollar formula. And it, it could work. They're like the nerds who just don't want to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that there's simplicity, there's beauty in simplicity. And I think that's kind of like where, where you work too. Is that, what did you say that you'd agree? To an extent, I love simplicity, but I also love using data. So I want to take that information that may seem complex and make it simple enough for people to understand. So let's, how can we understand it? Because all these numbers that are coming through, all these, all this information, I, I guess maybe before we go, go that route, the, the idea behind like an ad, right? Because I think that a lot of people, when they're trying to target their audience, they're kind of going like, I'm looking at the, from the data perspective, I'm looking at, at the audience data. Like, does the audience data matter versus... It does. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Where people go wrong in the ads is they approach it from their own point of view. Mm. When you approach it from your customer's point of view and then look at what you're trying to achieve and try to match those in the right area, that's where you'll get results. What is your customer trying to achieve? Where are they at at this point in time? What do we need to do to get them to your own vision of your relationship together? Hmm. Do you want, do you want to keep expanding? Yep, yeah, can do that. So depending on who they are, they may not be ready to make purchase right now. So you might need to explain to them more about your business. You might need to nurture that relationship. You might need to pique their curiosity first. So whether that's being some sort of download, whether that's being an article just to get on their radar, whether that be a webinar-type training, that could, again, it depends on the market you're working with. Do you think that works? Because, you know, I I see a lot of people doing it, but it's hard to say that it at times looks gimmicky. I want to know, like, from the people that you've worked with, the downloadable stuff, so to speak, does that really turn into customers? It does. It depends on what customers are. So I, I'll use a community example from real estate. So we had uh, we have a campaign that works really well in real estate for most markets. 
it's just like two-step consult funnel. So start by offering a property report, then giving those people an opportunity to get on a call with the real estate agent. Usually works really well. Mm. We started operating a campaign in a location. It just wasn't working. We couldn't work it out. So we went back to the data and looked at demographics of the area. And what I realized was a lot of the people moving to that area were fairly young couples and they weren't planning on moving anytime soon. So showing historical data, people stayed there for a while. So that made me think, okay, well, people aren't really interested in property reports because they're not really wanting to sell anytime soon. It's not even on their radar. How can we pique the interest? How can we with so what I did was put a campaign, basically get an instant property evaluation. That's that started getting leads and getting leads really fast at a rate that's even better than the other campaign because it it was approaching the right point of view from the mm-hmm. customer's mind, and then it got them to the sales calls. Mm-hmm. Once you pick the interest, then we're able to take them to that sales conversation. But we needed to work out what they actually wanted first. Mm. And you found out that they wanted Is, was a property value. Was that what they wanted? It was an instant property valuation. That's what the mm. offer was. Similar sort of thing. Like again, the same sort of thing we're doing with the reports and then offering consultation. It was just a different way of framing the offer. Hmm. And again, it's a different way that we did it, but it was more in line with what those particular people in that area wanted. Do you That's f- where the data was valuable to us. That I mean, that is huge. I mean, in that that same, I, I think the takeaway from what you just said was understanding the customer, because if you didn't understand the customer, then you wouldn't have been able to find out that they wanted, you know, uh, the property instant property value, uh, evaluation. That's, that's huge. It's understanding where the customer's at and understanding what's going through their mind. And do you find that like more gimmicky when I say gimmicky things like, like that, like the real estate is a real example, right? Like real estate, pe- people want to know their property value, their like their investment and things like that. But then there's the other side of the coin where um, things are like free download or download templates or here's my book that has made me successful. I mean, do you see do you see success on that end of the coin as well? Yes, if you've hit in the right spot. Hmm. Again, what you said is really broad there, so it depends on what you're describing exactly. I'm just going off of what I see on the internet. That's all. Yeah, it depends on what you're talking about. Like, if someone's giving you a process they've used, I've seen it work. It depends on what kind of customers you're going for and what kind of free thing you're giving away. If you're going for customers at the bottom of the... A lot of people that are looking for instant results aren't going to be the best customers. Yeah. You'll get sales though. Like, yes, you'll make sales. I don't necessarily see them as best customers or people that I'd want to work with personally. Right, yeah. But you will make sales. Right. Yeah, I, I would I, – I, I can see I can see your point. And, and I think going back to your initial example of when you were looking at the data and knowing that that company wasn't spending the right money on the right ad – so now we're running the we have the basis down of like what a good ad could be, right? Now we look at the data and you said that originally that we may have been looking at the wrong things 
or we all may be looking at the wrong things. What should we look at in order to quantify a good, a, like a good quality ad that's making besides the the sales, obviously? But are there anything else that we can look? There's at indications throughout that. So you look at the different conversion points. So the ad itself, whether indication of the ad is good, maybe you're getting engagement with it, whether you're getting click throughs. So if they're getting clicking through the page, you know something's working. If the page itself is getting opt-ins, if that's your landing page that has an opt-in there, that's nothing that's working. If the, then this, you're getting sales, then you know that's working. But if any point that breaks down, you want to address what's what's going on at that point in the sales conversion process and fix it. Hmm. So you ask yourself, why is this converting? And start to think, what's happening? We've got tools you can use. So using your analytics, using page tracking, that can all aid in giving you an idea of why people are struggling. Yeah. Yeah, it could be simple things like page load time. So in my reports, I look at, I try to get the technical stuff sorted first. So there's no technical barriers that are stopping people from converting. Most pages you want to load under two seconds. That's where we're moving now. But that's loading, like takes you six to 10 seconds to load the page. Of course, you'll lose sales. Yeah. yeah you, if you've got a decent product, you want to make sure that you're a decent server to serve that. Yeah. You seem like a very analytical person, not even from like the, the, the data points in your bio, but just the way that you answer questions. I could see that you're extremely analytical. What is your process like to collect all of this data? Like, do you have like a billion sheets? Do you use a lot of tools? Like I would love to dive deep into like how you organize everything. A single, I've got a single sheet that records all my data. Really? <laughs> Single sheet, it has an overview on the front page. Then I've got another 10 pages behind that. But everything I know is on everything I need to know for most companies I can learn from the first page. Hmm. You're not using so, any tools? I'm using tools. So that's Google Data Share, which compiles everything. That's the, where my truth is. I use what's called Google Tag Manager to fire off different, pix, different pixels, different tags on the actual website. Now you conversion tracking from the different ad, the ad platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, behind that, some of the simple things we use, Facebook pixels, Google pixels. Actually, put it this way. Analytics is your main thing you want to have. Make sure analytics across all your website, web pages. And then what you can do is fire off, fire off pixels from all the different platforms you can. It doesn't cost you anything to do. Using tag managers asynchronous, which means it's not going to add any extra load time to your website. Mm-hmm. The more data you have, the better you can use, and the more ability to target people in the future. So you, damn, that's a really good one. You may not think that people who use Snapchat are your audience, but if you find out at a later date that, hey, people from Snapchat are buying my products, if you had that pixel on your website, it means you can then retarget them. Mm-hmm. You've then created an instant audience, that new profit channel for your business. Mm-hmm. Very true. And us specifically, we didn't find out about Google Tag Manager until uh, I'd say about almost a year or so ago now. But Tag Manager has revolutionized the way that we look at data. Can you just, I guess, in a high-level answer, Give us the why. Why should we use Google Tag Manager? You hinted at it, but if you could just go in a little bit more detail. The simple answer, okay, it doesn't matter. 
again, I'd try not to get specific on tools. I don't think people should get hung up on the tools you're using, whether you use two tag manager or there's another solution, it really doesn't matter. This may change tomorrow. What you want to do is allow yourself the easiest way to get data. Tag manager is a tool that's created by Google, which allows people to paste one, 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 one uh, section of code into their, their website. Then from Google's side, you can fire off all sorts of stuff based on rules and stuff on their, on their platform. The reason why Tag Manager is one of my preferred solutions right now is because of what's called asynchronous loading, which means it doesn't matter how many tags you're loading, how many extra pixels you bring on the site, it's, it loads on the side of your website. It doesn't actually slow your website down. Hmm. That's a big reason for that. You don't want to make your website too heavy and load really slow. The reason why it's good is being able to add all that tracking and all those bits and pieces to your website that allows you to get more insight. So but again, depends on what you're doing and depends on whether you have the time and the expertise to bring this up. But at the very least, set up your Facebook pixels, your Google pixel, Google tags, you can LinkedIn, Twitter, Tab, Tabula, if that's some, something that suits your audience, Snapchat. Um, Quantcast is always a good one. You can get more information about the market. But all those tools acting together to give you a, right, a large range of data to work with. Mm. And you can, hand, you can handle all that in one sheet. Kudos to you. One sheet, <laughs> yeah. Good for you for being able to, to sift through. I mean, that, that probably took years of, uh, of tweaking in order to come up with that fine process. The sheet didn't take too much long itself. I think that took, it took a little while to understand our links, so we went through a few... 300, 400 page books to really get my head around Google Analytics and Data Studio and how data works. But again, uh, the way I work is trying to get as simple as possible for the end user. Most of my information is created so I can show it to the CEO, the person in charge. They don't necessarily know data. They don't even care about half the time. They care <laughs> about the results that are being generated. So we want to show them in the right context so that they can actually make decisions. Yeah. And so they care, have buy-in from them. Is it uh, as we wind down this conversation? I am curious. I feel like I'm always the one that's really excited about data. Is it? Uh, is it fun going into like? How do you feel going into conversations when you know damn well that the person on the other end they may not like data as much as you do? <laughs> it doesn't. Again, they don't like data. They don't understand data. Yeah, they understand what's important to them. Mm. usually that's about the business so they care about the business if they care about the business it's great like okay fantastic so a lot of people may not even again depending on who you're dealing with you want to see what their motivations are for doing what they're doing a lot of people aren't wanting to grow they're happy where they are mm-hmm. that's fine we're probably not going to be a good fit together i wish you the best of luck mm-hmm. i want to understand your motivations if you're someone that wants to grow if you want to provide the best value to customers, here's how we're going to do it. Yep. Well, as stated, we are winding down the conversation, but I do have two final questions and they're just going to be, you know, relatively quick questions. Um, but I'm curious because we live on two different sides of the world, but I'm sure that we do have a common ground in the idea that we're both crazy and that we both love business and that we're both entrepreneurial. So is there anybody in the world, living or dead, that you would like to meet to further help your business grow? And why would you like to meet that person? 
I don't think it... I've never understood the idea of worshipping people or getting too excited. Mm-hmm. There's people I'd want to meet with just because the conversations would be exciting. Yeah. It would be interesting conversations. Um, Nassim Talib. Mm. He's a financial guy and kind of philosopher. He, he's got a really interesting perspective on life and business. He'd be an interesting guy to speak to. Actually, Donald Trump, <laughs> all things, Donald Trump would be really interesting to talk to. Yeah. If you can get a, if you get a conversation without any pretense to it. Yeah. I would, I would, I would agree with you. Uh, I don't believe in the things that he believes in, but I think it would be a great conversation. I don't know what he believes in. I don't assume that I know. I believe that is true. That is a good point. That is a good point. What? He's a brilliant media manipulator. He knows how business works. He's created some great businesses. Whether you give him full credit for that, or you want to say he's used daddy's money or whatever it is, you can't denounce. You can't denounce the fact that he's managed to make himself one of the most powerful positions in the world. Absolutely, that has some credence to it. His motivations, don't know, but based on those things alone, he would make a very interesting conversation. If you can get it without any pretense, without anything held back. Mm. He's the kind of guy I think I'd like to have a deep DNM, a few <laughs> drinks, nothing nothing else involved. See how his mind works. I think what was really cool, I don't know if you had the opportunity to, but did you happen to listen to the uh, Elon Musk and uh, Joe Rogan? It's, it's, I thought that was... was that was a cool conversation because I think that was the first time that you really had to, see, you got to see what was inside the mind of Elon. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I would love to see the same for, for Donald Trump. So I don't, there was nothing new, but I love the interview. I don't think there was anything new about it. If you really looked into Elon's history. Hmm. Interesting. Um, he grew up being bullied. He grew up insanely intelligent. Even in the interview, he held back to an extent. Yeah. Because you can't communicate to the rest of the world the same level that you're going to be communicating with other people. Like this is a guy who understands algorithms. This is a guy who understands maths and politics and how things work because he's worked in all those sectors. Yeah. But he he asks those deep questions and works out how to do things in a different way. When you're wired so differently, you're not going to fit into normal society. Yeah, I agree. Well, to that same point, speaking of being wired differently, we're all wired differently, but we all have different experiences and different expertise. So my final question is the blind entrepreneur, this podcast was created for people who are temporarily lost or blind in business and they cannot see the obvious. So to those particular individuals who may not even know what the hell data is, don't know why they should be a part of it and, and look into the data. What are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? I'll bring it into one, one piece of advice. Ask questions. Mm. Ask the questions of yourself. Ask questions of other people that are in a position you want to be in. But get deeper. Even people you want to work with or are working with as your customers Learn how to ask better questions, you'll get better answers. So what's the reason behind 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 the reason? Ask those questions. 
even the way that you yourself think, if you think of things in a certain way in the, fir- in the first instance, question yourself, why did I think this way? How can I frame it in a better, in a better way that gets me a more positive result? Hmm. Well stated. Well, Joss, thank you so much for your time. Uh, for, for you this morning, for me this evening, uh, and to talk about experiences in business and life and, you know, truly means a lot. Uh, I'd like to give the next 30 seconds all yours to just tell everybody about how they can contact you, follow your journey and potentially become a customer. Guys, I'm fairly open. If you want to connect with me, I am available on Facebook, LinkedIn. I am on Twitter, but I don't tweet anywhere near as much as old Donald. But <laughs> connect with me there as well, but mostly Facebook and LinkedIn is where you'll connect with me. Very cool. It's, um, I am Joss again on both platforms. And it's all going to be in the show notes too. So can you just repeat that one more time? The link on all socials is I am Joss Aguirre. So I am J-O-S-A-G-U-I-A-R. And that's on all social media platforms. Very good. Well, good stuff. To those of you that are still watching, thank you guys for always liking, commenting, and subscribing. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and head over to tbeshow.com for more interviews just like this one. This is 198. Pretty dang cool, man. But go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a good rest of your day.